Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He's Brian Morris and he's next. And now, from the legendary Studio B. So you're in Seattle with Gregor. Brian is such a fascinating man with a huge history in theater arts. He's been one of the leaders. He's at the foreground of what has become a crazy cosplay play place. Cosplay is costume play where people dress up as their favorite characters and show up to hang out and nerd out with one another. Oftentimes at things like Comic Cons and Sakura Con and also sometimes just on the weekend at Brian's house where they all get together and they work on stuff. Now I found out about that from him here just after Emerald City Comic Con. We have since I've been to his lab to check it out and what you find is a group of people all working on their own thing, helping each other and every shelf and every nook and cranny has some different thing that you can use whether from making wings for your back for an elaborate costume to just the right amount of I don't know the name of any of the materials, but the rubbery or putty-based stuff that you would use to make a rad-looking costume. I have a little bit of a cough today. Yeah. Too much uh, talking over loud noises at Comic-Con? Yeah, yeah. Did you do all all four days? Yep, four days, three panels, four different costumes. Wow. Um, what were the panels? Um, first panel was on uh, basic cosplay construction and building. Cool. Were you uh, were you hosting it? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah, I was one of the one of the panelists. And then the second panel I was on was um, cosplay photography because um, I'm a commercial photographer. Oh, I didn't I, know that. Yeah. So that's my that's my day job. Cool. Um, is I'm a commercial photographer and a licensed drone pilot. Wow! And, what a combination of things yeah, you do. Yeah, and uh, and then the third one is what I call our dream team. We I've gathered together um, six of the top cosplayers in the Northwest, and we put on panels at every convention and talk about our epic costumes and how we build them and what inspires us and stuff. So that's cool. The drone piloting, man. I tried flying a drone. It is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing that for. Uh, about four years now. Does it get easier as you start to do it a little oh, just, bit more? Just like anything else, it becomes second nature to you. Um, you, uh, um, yeah. People ask me like, "How long did it take you to learn?" I'm like, "It was a six month crash course." Literally, literally crash yeah. course. Yes. Are, are you flying drones with the with the goggles on so you see what it sees? <laughs> or are you flying it by just your sight, your line um, of sight? Well, according to FAA regulations, those goggles are not legal. You have to have line of sight of okay. the drone when you're flying it, commercially, that is. Mm-hmm. And But I do have a, a large monitor that I can see exactly what it sees as well. Oh, cool. So if you're going to use it for commercial filming, then you kind of need to see what it's seeing to make sure you're exactly. getting the shot. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so 
you wow i don't even know where to begin with how much work goes into cosplay and how you get to the point where you're hosting a panel on it but let's start with what you dressed up as for um for emerald city comic con sure. 2017 yeah so i have a uh, a whole bunch of costumes um that i have developed over the years um this stable that i had uh for emerald city comic-con this year um the first day on thursday was soldier 76 and he is a character from blizzard's um newest game overwatch okay and uh he's a very very popular overwatch is like incredibly popular right now it's just like everywhere you go everybody is doing overwatch characters and so i have a really um, screen accurate uh, Soldier 76 that I do. So that was for Thursday. Um, and the interesting thing about Soldier 76 is that he actually is an old guy. <laughs> um, he's one of the older members of the Overwatch team. And one of his favorite lines is, I'm not a young man anymore. Cool. So after the con, that was my, that was my motto. <laughs> I'm not a young man anymore. Um, so that was Thursday. That was a lot of fun. Friday, um, I have a, a screen, a movie screen accurate cosplay costume of Crossbones. And if you're not familiar with Crossbones, he is the villain who first appears. Well, he appears in several movies, but in the Captain America Civil War movie, he is the villain who appears right at the very beginning, who kind of kickstarts everything off. Um, and he has the mask like I brought here, and he's all... Um, dressed up, he gets people get mixed up with uh, Punisher a lot, but he's very distinguished. Um, he's a iconic evil villain um, with the whole Avenger series. Black helmet, white face. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I also found out is um, if you are going to be a villain and you are going to fight people, do not wear a helmet. Um, you cannot see out of them. <laughs> so, um, but it's um, it's screen accurate. Uh, last year at Rose City Comic Con, I had my photograph taken with Stan Lee, and as I was walking out, Stan Lee he gave me a fist bump and says, "Awesome costume." And then this year, I met him again and got the costume signed. So, oh, cool. Yeah, it's um, probably I'd say ninety five percent screen accurate from actually what the movie is. Um, so it's one of the top cause crossbone cosplays at existence you've mentioned this a few times now the screen accuracy and yeah. how important is that to the inside the world of cosplay because to me just you know people just even taking a stab at it and having mom sew up sure. uh, uh, just a cool like link from zelda jacket yeah. or something like that yeah. is neat but how important once you get serious about it is the accuracy um it kind of depends on the character you're playing but for myself like when i did crossbones um, it was super important to me that I wanted to create a character that was duplicated. It was exactly what was represented on there. Um, yeah, there's a whole variety of different types of levels of cosplaying, and you can. You can do the, hey, I put Zelda on my T-shirt and I'm cosplaying, and that's cool. <laughs> that's where you're at, and that's and everybody should enjoy that. Um, for myself, I've been doing this long enough where the accuracy – is what's challenging to me. So for like, um, for crossbones, I actually went and counted on the back of his jackets the number of squares on his vest and how the stitching was and where it went over his shoulder and how the length of it was and the number of rivets. And wow. getting down to, you count the rivets up and which ones are rusty and which ones are painted over. Um, because I wanted, to, when I stood there, I wanted people just to like, 
oh my goodness, that's Crossbones exactly right there. Um, so it it's a whole there's a whole variety of different levels of cosplaying, and n- no level is bad. They're all great to where you're at. Um, when you get to the level of what we call epic, or I don't know what you want to call it, professional, or to the top level of cosplaying, um, the details in the costume is what really matters. Um, so it's the little tiny things that you can pull out of the costume that you can put into your own that somebody else might miss. And they may not even see it when you're standing there, but you know it's there. So like on Crossbones, he has a black turtleneck. He has a tactical jacket. He has a uh, armor-proof vest on it. And then he has his um, tactical armor on the outside. Each of those parts are really important that you get the exact you know, duplication on that so that it matches um, the armor and stuff. That's fantastic. When you're hosting a panel, I mean, are you encouraging people to find little specifics then to like to hone in to try and make it closer? Exactly. That's 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 probably that step where you want to take a costume and you want to bring it to that next level is the detail. And you can find this. Um, look at movies, theater. Anything where you have professional costuming going on. Uh, my background is actually in theater, um, and I'm actually in puppetry. I'm actually a master puppeteer as well. And what um, don't you do? This is incredible. <laughs> um, the uh, in theater, if you, or in movies, if you go and you look at the detail that is in, um, let me. I'll give you an example: is the latest Marvel movie, Doctor Strange. Okay. And if you look at the detail orientated in his costume, it's just phenomenal. It's just incredible. Even if you opened up his 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 um, cloak, the inside of the cloak, which you hardly ever rarely see in the movie, but it is detailed, stitched, and the patterning and the pieces that they have in there, patched work in there, are incredibly detailed. Um, and that's really what we're striving to do as. Um, cosplayers is to get to that point where we can those minute little details we can put them into our costume um and again if you don't have those it's not bad you but that's where we strive to do is those little tiny details and somebody may not even see them but they're there how about with contesting and stuff so if you're having a costume contest and there's people are going to be judged on their costumes it's not whoever gets the details just right all the time right there has to be more to it than that oh no yeah so um any kind of contest you go into and i don't care what kind of a contest it's dependent upon the judges and where their bent is so you might have a music contest and you know if you come in and you're the best violinist in a rock concert contest you're not going to place very high and so any cosplay costume contest number one you have to realize you're going in against you're going up um not against but you're being judged by people who have um different um Bents in life, they like different types of costumes. They they might um, yeah, a guy who doesn't like Marvel for some reason, and you show up in a Marvel costume, you might you're just yeah, or or maybe <clears throat> it's more likely like he really likes uh, foam armor, and he's really into that, or maybe he's really into casting, or you might get a seamstress um, who's just loves sewing, so they have their different bents and their different favorite 
places and you just kind of have to realize that any contest you go into, that's what you're up against is those judges. And the first thing you need to realize is these are just three people out of seven billion people in the world and it's their own opinion. And if you don't win, then it's not the end of the world. Good advice for anything. It is. It's like, I know that I love cosplaying and my cosplay costumes are dead on and they're amazing. Um, but like I was in the costume contest at Emerald City and I didn't place or win or anything. Um, and you're always a little disappointed, you know. Sure. But I also realize it's not the end of the world, you know. It was a contest and um, the guy who won it, um, a friend of mine, uh, Chad Marsh, he did this amazing uh, Dragon Slayer golden armor set. And it was phenomenal. And yeah, he deserved to win. It was just amazing. Um, and in everybody in their different categories, uh, it's great to see them get that those kudos. And you're right. The details don't always aren't always the determining factor. Sometimes it's um, it might be the finish on it. It might be uh, the the types of material they put into it. Is it, it ever acting? Is it ever when you get up there and embrace the character to a point? Um, a little bit. Usually in the costuming, though, it's not because they're judging the costume and the and the build on it and how well it was done, um, and the authenticity of it. Um, like. I think the guy who came in second place was actually a guy who did a costume for Doctor Strange out of the movie, and it was dead-on accurate. It was just beautifully done. Um, so part of that was probably the accuracy of his costume. Um, so sometimes it's, it is the little details. Sometimes it's, it's just the finished product of what it looks like. Um, and sometimes it might just be... Sp- you know, special effects that just blow you away. And they've, d- they've just done these cool, like, smoke and lights and things that move and wings that open up. And uh, they're just like, wow, the technology here is just blows you away. What is it for you? What, why cosplay? Which, I, I know there's an overall experience, but which part of the process is your favorite? Um, that comes in a bunch of different flavors for a lot of people. For myself... It actually comes down to the challenge of the build. Um, I remember one time, um, years back, I w- wanted to go to SakuraCon here in Seattle. It's it's more of an anime-type convention, and I'm not really big into anime. I don't watch a lot of it. I didn't know the characters, but I wanted to go to it. So I asked the guys, I said, what character is over the top? What would blow everybody away if it could be built? And they go, oh, if you could do it, this would be the guy to do it. What was it? It was his name is Abel Night Road, and he's the lead character from the anime series called Trinity Blood. Okay. And he's got nine foot wings, and he's got these huge hair that goes up in the air, and this incredible costume and everything, and a ten foot weapon. And when they said that, I go, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, hold my beer while I do this type of a thing. Um, with Crossbones, it was the same way. Uh, was I created, I built the costume before the movie came out. So the challenge was, can I duplicate this? I didn't even have a full set of pictures. I didn't have the video to watch. I didn't have any of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was built before that all came out. And I had little snippets of behind-the-scenes photos of what his costume was like. And it was like, the challenge is, can you do this? Can you build this? Um, with all the skills you might, you know, and with him, it's sewing and armor building and vacuum forming and um, 
riveting and you know 3D printing and a whole variety of different skills that you have to pull together in order to put that costume together. So that's that's really the challenge for me is um, when I get these big giant ones um, is just can you do it? Like the latest one I did, uh, my biggest one for Emerald City Comic Con was Tarok the Talon King. He is a character from World of Warcraft. Um, he is a semi-playable character, um, but he's the god of one of the races of the people, and he's a bird, and there's a whole race of bird people. And the the um, if I were to show you the picture, the detail on it would just blow you away. And um, it's just phenomenal of the layers of detailing that the game designers put into this. Um, and I sometimes I wonder, do you do you really realize that as a cosplayer we're going to try to do this? Are you trying to drive us insane? <laughs> yeah, is it is it an idea that they'll make it more difficult to see if you can? Pull sometimes, it off? sometimes I actually think that they're going to go, ha, yeah, let's see if you can build this what, one. What was his name? Tarok, Tarok the Talon King, and. Um, yeah, he stands. The character, when I got it done, it stood over um, eight and a half feet tall. Oh, my God. Are you on stilts? Yeah, yeah. So he had stilts, and um, um, he's got his head actually sits on top of my head. So I'm six foot two, and I the stilts put me up another foot above that, and then his head is on top of me. And um, it's just, yeah, he's like this enormously crazy, huge, tall giant it's got to be creature. so it's got to be so difficult to get around do you have like a, a spotter with you or something yep i had a handler with me and uh yeah you just you basically can't go anywhere without a handler when you're that big um to get through doorways and around people and stuff and you kind of have to be careful of where you end up at the con as well it's a spectacle though right i mean people see you coming when you're eight feet tall and you're uh, uh, the talon king <laughs> like you're pretty um... much yeah it's uh, you're the tallest thing at the con and uh everybody else is kind of this little little short thing running around you um the the really interesting thing when i was in that character was the fact that um Oh my! Yeah, that's a picture of him. Um, he's when he's fully he's got his weapons and everything. He's eight and a half feet tall, and he's slightly intimidating. He's the biggest thing on the floor, and yet, um, and so a lot of times when you're in these costumes, uh, little kids will they're afraid of things in costumes that they don't see the human face and whatnot. You sure, know, they're yeah. afraid of Santa Claus and but Easter Bunny, you know. And I had little tiny kids, two, three years old, just coming up and wanting their picture taken with me. It was the most weird thing. And the only thing I could think of was parents telling their kids, oh, he's just a big bird. Because it's kind of what he was. He was yeah. just a big, giant bird. And um, Send that to me if you would, please. Uh, yeah. When you get a chance. Well, yeah. When we're done here. Yeah. Because um, that has to, I, I want people to be able to see that. Yeah. The, the, the detail on this guy, um, that was part of the challenge of building him was the detail. Could you build something that was that detail orientated? And um, the skill sets that go into that is what challenged me. I have to keep pushing myself to learn new talents, skills, and abilities, and things that I have to learn. So in this particular one for Tarok, it was everything um, from vacuum forming to working with Warbla and different okay, types well, of foam. Let's talk about some of this because I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Like you have a helmet here for crossbones, right? Yeah. And 
do they just sell the crossbones helmet and you painted it up, or do you have to figure out how to make it your like how to actually form that from nothing? Uh, yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> so you can go out to, and there's China manufacturers right now that will um, uh, produce that helmet. Um, originally, when I started designing this character, there were no crossbones helmets. And so um, the only thing we could find was a 3D printed model. Somebody had come up with a rough 3D printed model. And I worked with a friend of mine and we finessed and worked on that 3D model. And the original one that I had was 3D printed out. And then we made a second one to refine it and refine it more and more until it fit perfectly what the character looked like and um, would fit my head and all that kind of stuff. As yeah, well. to be able to make it the right size for your own head is another challenge all in itself. Yeah, yeah. So, so well, okay, so you can 3D print, you said vacuum forming. Is this the idea of having a solid shape and then bending stuff around it? Or exactly, ha- yep. Use, uh, I think I've seen it before, just in, you know, stuff that pops up in my Facebook feed or whatever. Yeah, How yeah, it it's uh, styrene plastic is normally what's used, and styrene plastic, like a lot of stuff we use is called a thermoplastic, which when heated can be formed and molded and shaped. And you have what's called a buck or a, a master form. And you put this on a, on a grill that's got a bunch of bazillion little holes on it and it you hook up vacuum to it. And literally it's a big old giant shop vac hmm. and you heat the plastic up. And there's a variety of ways you can heat it up in an ovens or commercially made ones. But once it gets heated up, you it's in a frame and you put the frame down over the buck and the vacuum actually sucks the plastic down over the buck to perfectly form it. Oh, interesting. Uh, forgive my very crude way of describing this, but the way you said it, it's sort of like even like a condom would like go down over a shape like that. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Only because you, you hold it from a frame and then bring it down and yeah. then the vacuum yeah. power would make it actually be yeah. the right... Uh, um, a lot of the uh, um, stormtroopers that you see are vacuum formed that way. Are, they, are those people making their own stormtrooper sometimes, gear at home? Yeah, sometimes they'll make it. Uh, vacuum forming is a very popular way of making them because you can make a whole bunch of sets at once. Or they'll be made them out of a variety of different. I mean, I've seen them made out of ABS plastic and um, PVC plastic and even fiberglass. How long have you been doing this? So, like I said, my background's in theater and puppetry, yeah. and I actually started that when I was um, fresh out of high school. So, um, some thirty-five years ago. Okay. And so it went from I was heavily involved with puppetry for about. Um, well, I still am today, but really heavily into about 12 to 15 years. And then it morphed into doing puppetry and theater. And in theater, I did everything from costume design to set design to publishing to producing and directing and everything involved with it. Ran a nonprofit um, uh, youth performing arts organization for about five years. And um, so that set the stage of all the costume designing because... What um, cosplayers do today, we've been doing in the theater forever. We that's what we do: design costumes. And yeah. and somewhere along the line, somebody uh, gave it the name cosplay, costume and play put together. Nice little acronym there. And um, and then they started calling it cosplay. It's designing um, and replicating characters from 
stories or game. Now today, it's from any a whole variety of of mediums that they come from. So I, my first, if you want to call it cosplay, yeah, was in two thousand nine, and um, my sons and I were playing. World of Warcraft. I'm sure you're sure, of course. familiar with that. There's It was um, a phenomenon that sucked away more productivity hours from our culture than possibly anything else. Exactly. And we played this uh, pretty much nonstop for about um, six years. And um, so we're playing it, and um, the uh, they um, Blizzard, who is the parent company for World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. uh, they, they came up. They're going to have BlizzCon. And which was their own Comic Con or their own convention for their games, and my son and I go, oh, we need to go that. So we got tickets, and I go, <laughs> if we got tickets, we got to do a costume. So at that point, there was no online tutorials. There wasn't no Facebook didn't even exist. This was back in two thousand nine. Um, I think Facebook maybe started in two thousand nine. I think that's like right when they started, but. Nobody knew about all the forums, and and cosplay wasn't even really a thing. And I go, I'm just going to build a costume, because that's what you're supposed to do. As a theater-minded man would. That's right. So that was the very first one I built. Oh, what? Uh, what's the character? So this is a Draenei Shaman in tier level 6 Sky Shadow Regalia. And you can still find him if you go and Google um, a shaman cosplayer. This costume will be one of the first ones that come up. Okay, I, I will add that to uh, what I read about this. Tell me his name again. Uh, it's a. Um, you'll have to get the spelling, but it's from World of Warcraft, yeah. and it's he doesn't have a name, but it's a Draenei shaman, and he's wearing tier six sky shatter regalia <laughs> armor. Okay, cool. Still one of the most beautiful sets that Blizzard ever came up with. That's uh, that's fantastic. There's a lot of glowing parts that are like real mystical looking as a shaman would have, yeah. it seems like. There's 67 of- volts of electricity powering him. Wow. And then all kinds of, <laughs> it looks like uh, maybe foam yep. elements and stuff to give him all the, the sharp uh, pieces and the, and the sort of armor that he's got on. And I guess that's the tier six Sky Shadow regalia armor yeah. that I'm talking about. Um, yes. I guess I'm so you you hit my point right on the head when I asked you how long you've been doing this. I feel like in the last three years, maybe a little longer, cosplaying has accelerated at a oh, rate that is it is exploded, impossible to even track. Oh, it's exploded. It has. If you were to ask somebody in 2009, could you do this full time as a living? They'd laugh at you and they'd go, "Yeah, right." I mean, it's hard enough getting money to to pay for theater or make a living in this. But today you find people who that's their living. They, um, I have some really good friends of mine, um, Bill and Brittany uh, with Punish Props, and uh, they used to work other jobs, but now their whole job now is doing cosplay. And they do tutorials and they build things and how to build things and they put um, all kinds of stuff on the internet. Um, but that's their full-time job now. Why is that possible? Like, why can that happen now? It's only been a few years. What has been the factor that allowed for this to become, like, such to hit, like, a critical mass almost? So um, I think one of the, the, the major things that pushed cosplay to the forefront was the fact that 
Comic-Con conventions and all the different types of conventions suddenly realized that their fan, that they had reached, they reached this critical level where they'd reached all the comic book fans that they were going to reach. But all of a sudden they realized that there were these weird, nerdy, geeky people out there dressing up like their characters and showing up at their conventions. And, um, it was that beautiful blending of good old commercialism of these <laughs> conventions going, let's grab hold of these people. Let's grab them, make them part of the convention. So someone was just smart enough to, to jump on that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. And just, and it, that's been slow though. That's been a slow process. Um, but the cosplay community itself is probably more responsible for anybody than doing this because, um, for so many years, we've had people who have had this geeky, nerdy bent that they want to be involved in this whole world of science fiction and fantasy and gaming and all this, but it was looked down on. It was like, oh, you're kind of one of those geeky kind of people. I mean, it. In if you know, when I grew up in high school, it was like you were really the nerd if you were part of the theater group. Or, or Stranger Things is a perfect example of what we're, the, exactly. the Netflix show. There, you know, there's kids playing D and D in their basement. Is kind of the like the uh, the the ideal that was set for this. Even when I was growing up, they're like exactly. ah, nerds playing their dice games. Like, yep. And then yeah. it became those people <laughs> became yeah. adults and 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 now you've got adults who grew up in that D and D dungeon era. Yeah. And all of a sudden they realized I can actually do this and and. It can be a legitimate part of my life. I can be proud of what I do. Are there other guys that are uh, from your era that are doing this that you see? Oh yeah, uh, guys and gals that are like that found a new way to embrace something that they love. Oh, yeah. from yeah. another it's, age. We we're actually joking. We're going to get a, a cosplay together of a bunch of old guys because <laughs> um, um, yeah, I'm 57. So. <sighs> A, a spry 57 at that. <laughs> so I'm not a young man anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, which, yeah, that kind of takes people by surprise. But um, it's kept you young. I mean, doing this yeah. stuff is like embracing your imagination. Obviously, oh, yeah. there's something to and, it. And now we're seeing f what the really fun part is. We're seeing these um, adults growing up, having kids and and their kids embracing it and pulling their kids along with it. And you see whole families. Um uh, Eric Jones is a really top-notched uh, cosplayer prop builder in the area. Um, his company is called Core Geek, and um, his uh, his wife's parents were at the convention cosplaying. He and his wife cosplay, and his daughters cosplay, and so it's like. Well, this amazing family, they just all generation and they get involved with it. And it's something so fun that they can all be involved with. Yeah, Some people go to Disneyland. Other people want to spend time arts and crafts together. I exactly. Mean, yeah. There's another uh, family um, from Canada and uh, the same way. It's a dad and his son and daughter. And they're doing this. Um, they do this incredible uh, Viking set, Nordic sets, and whatnot. Cool. And yeah, they're um, the, the guess. I always say their name right. Murray Gessel, I think that's how you pronounce it. But his whole family does this, and they um, they they just have a blast. Um, Mom helps out with some of the sewing. She doesn't cosplay, but the dad and the son and the daughter they all cosplay, and they do this amazing job of it. And it's just this, it's 
incredibly this wonderful, healthy environment that people can use their creativity in, that they can join together. In fact, one of the things I said when we've, we were gathered together at Emerald City, I go, isn't it fun that Emerald City decided to have a family reunion for us? <laughs> that was nice of them. And it was. It was like our whole community here in the Northwest got together to celebrate this incredible arts and crafts, this creativity, this, um, this talents and skills that everybody has. It's fantastic to be able to do that. I'm personally fascinated. Uh, I went to Japan recently, and there we are in Tokyo, and I'm insisting that my uh, wife come with me to see the giant Gundam statue that they have there. And then I'm like, wow, I see people at cons dressed up in Gundam armor, and I can... I can't wrap my head around how impossible that seems to actually do something like that. I've done zero cosplay, so I don't have any concept. Um, when it comes to armors and stuff like that, what are the what's the approach to making that? What's the time commitment to getting it done? Uh, before I let you answer that, too, let me add on to that. I remember 2009, it used to be impressive if someone showed up dressed as uh, Master Chief from Halo. That was the thing that people were showing. Wow, he did a Halo guy. That's crazy. And now people are dressing in eight eight-foot-tall birds. <laughs> yeah. So what does it come down to when you want to make those armors and stuff? What's the commitment if I wanted to do it next year for Emerald City Comic Con? Most cosplayers underestimate the amount of time. When people come up and ask me, they say, oh, how long did it take you? Like Crossbones is a good example. How long did it take you to make that? And I always tell people, um, minimum of three months, might be six months. And the majority of the time, like Crossbones was about a little over three months to build it. Um, and the majority of that, like like I'd say maybe 60% of that time was researching, researching out the character, mm-hmm. finding out what it looks like, all the pictures you can get, um, you know, the various resource material you can have and what types of materials that would go into building it that would be accurate for it and a whole variety of questions that you need to ask about that to even before you start building the process at all. The building process can actually go fairly quickly once you get all your research done. And so the two things, uh, of course, is time, commitment, and how diligent you are in doing your research about it and um, how much it's going to cost. And usually the costs. I mean, you can, you know, if you're really thrifty and you um, um, go about procuring all your resource material as, as best you can, it, it doesn't have to cost a lot. It can, um, depending on how much you put into it. But um, usually it's the time commitment that most people underestimate. They don't realize how much time it takes. I mean, because in a lot of cases, like if you're going to make, uh, if you're going to be Starscream from the Transformers and you need to make that bubble for the cockpit that would be there when he's transformed into a, into the, his standing robot version, like how do you make that? How do you make that bubble? Like where do you start? You have to maybe learn a whole new set of skills just to make one piece of a, uh, yeah. of a, so costume. one of the, um, there, like I said before, there's been a plethora of and just a, a growing community out there of different resources that people can get their hands on. There's a ton of YouTube videos out there. There are forums on Facebook and um, and, and other uh, types of forums like the uh, Replica Prop Forum, RPF. Um, they have just tons of people who are putting out tutorials and how-tos and and how they did things and how to paint and how to create. Um, so the, the resources are out there. 
um, where a single person can go out and start learning how to do all these things. And then there's actual um, meeting up with other cosplayers and talking with them. Um, so like once a month at my studio down in Renton, I have what I call an open cosplay workshop. And I have a big, huge giant garage and I have a huge workshop and I invite people, cosplayers in to build and to learn. And um, I'm trying to pass on my skills and all my, what I know, my knowledge base to the next generation. And so wow. you can, you can find out that's a, that's probably the, I mean, hands-on is definitely the best way to sure. sit down with somebody and just like, you know, oh, this would be the coolest way um, to do it. And, um, what was the most challenging uh, medium that you've learned how to do from vacuum forming to foam to... <laughs> okay. So this is this is probably one of the most comical things also. <laughs> um, so there is a thermal plastic material that's fairly new on the scene. It's been around for, I don't know, two or three years now, and it's called Warbla. It was originally designed in Germany, I believe, and it is a byproduct of wood and plastic that's blended together to give you this um it's about a 16th of an inch thick it looks like um like you made a me uh, paste of wood and smeared it all out but it's all smooth and everything and you heat it up and you can form it and it can stick to itself and it's just like magical material and so many cosplayers just love this stuff. They just thrive on it and you can make some of the most amazing costumes with Warbla but I don't like it. And and so um, all the materials that I am most challenged with, it's working with this crazy warbler stuff. It just doesn't work for me. It's just like I have the hardest time working with it. But it's really incredible stuff. Um, and it's just kind of one of those things where in more panels and whatnot, like in Emerald City, you know, somebody asks, oh, what's your number one mistake? And I right away I piped in, oh, you mean other than working with warbler? <laughs> um, so that's... That's kind of my big challenge is like, am I ever going to work with Warbla? I don't know. Um, I, this last costume, one of the biggest challenges was, was uh, recreating feathers so that you, and I think this comes along with each costume. There's a part of it that you're like, I've never done this before. How do I do this? Crossbones, I had to create a whole set of actual armor that matched him. And so I had to figure out the forms and vacuum forming it all, the material that I was going to make it out of and how to strap it down. For Tarok, the latest one was he's covered with his head and his body, his arms, just hundreds and hundreds of feathers. And some of them are real and some of them are made out of foam. And, and I had to figure out the process of how do I create those feathers so they look real and the painting process so it matched not only what a real feather would look like, but the character as well. So I, I don't know if there's any one particular thing that's most challenging, um, but each character Be as you besides Warbler, besides Warbler, yes, <laughs> I always call it the the material, the devil's material. Um, and I know there's a lot of a lot of cosplayers out there who just love this stuff, and kudos to them. Um, I uh, I work in a lot of different other materials. Um, Tarok had Warbler in it. I, I used Warbler for certain things. Um, but uh, each character, hopefully, a cosplayer is pushing themselves into new areas that they've never done before to develop new concepts. Like um, one of my favorite costumes that I do right now is Ash from 
um, Evil Dead. And you nailed it, man. Thanks. That uh, was a fun one. I'll that post was that picture. Great. I'll use that because you already have a resemblance to Bruce. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, what? And surprisingly, you said you're 57 years old, which caught me off guard because that's how old he is. But <laughs> that's how old Bruce is. He's 57. We're exactly the same age. That's incredible. Yeah. But I thought for sure that you were much younger and that you had just done makeup to make yourself be a little bit older to look more like him. So I was pleasantly surprised right now to find out that you are of the same age yeah. as he is. That's great. Yeah. So like one of the things, I'm not a huge leather worker, but he has, Ash has this Book of the Dead and it's leather leather bound book and it has a face on the front of it. It glows and all this. So... I'm not a huge leather worker, so my next challenge is I want to learn how to work with leather to make this book. And um, I, I don't see it being a big, huge problem. I have friends who work in leather, and um, but it's, that's a challenge. It's like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. I've never done it before, and it should be fun creating something um, that I've never done before. That's, this is all fascinating stuff. Tell me about this, uh, about your workshop. So um, one of the things... By nature, I'm a teacher. I've taught in a variety of things. I've taught community college. And my whole life, one of my bents in my personality is teaching. I love to train other people in what I do, whether mm -hmm. it be photography or puppetry or drama and now cosplay. And I have had the opportunity to learn so much in my life through all my background and everything. And I also have the privilege of having a large workshop and a lot of stuff that, um, you know, that I have been fortunate enough to, to get over the years. And so um, it's, it's such a joy to me now to be able to open up my life and my workshop and bring other people in and to be able to provide a community spot where they can join other cosplayers and have fun together, um, that they can learn how to build things they've never done, and um, just to enjoy this whole world of cosplay, um, even if they've never done it before. How do we find out more? What's, what's a good resource to find out more about your work, what you do, what the community is up to? Um, so <clears throat> I know you've said Facebook a lot and that there's a Yeah, there's a variety of different forums. I mean, if you go on Facebook and you just type in cosplay, um, there are, oh, I don't know, probably just within the Seattle area here, I can think of right off the top of my head, half a dozen forums that are Seattle or Northwest based around this area that are particularly just for cosplay and the cosplay community. Um, there's some national ones also, uh, like I mentioned before, the RPF, um, they're national and uh, a huge resource um, for learning how to. Um, and locally in the area here, um, my company name is called Zach Labs, Z-A-K-L-A-B-S, and you can look at that on Facebook as well and come up with uh, my company and sure. learn about all the scheduling and everything. Um, and, you know, if, like I said, there's a – you just type it in Facebook and you'll probably come sure, up sure, with sure. tons of stuff. Zach Labs. Okay, that's really – that's fascinating. So as a jumping – Do you want to know the story behind that? Yeah, please. Okay. So uh, when I was first doing – um, puppetry, the puppets would have costumes, but they'd also have props and they'd have all this cool stuff. Where did it all come from? 
and the, you know the little kids that we're doing the show with is we'd tell them oh we made all this stuff at Zach Labs and we actually had skits that included the scientists that worked at Zach Labs <laughs> and all the crazy little things that they would make for the puppets at Zach Labs so as the years went by um, when I started getting into doing cosplay I'm like well that's a natural of course I'm going to make all my stuff at Zach Labs and so we actually have Team Zach Lab now, and we have uh, the whole company. It's actually a, an actual company, a business that I run, and because um, I do commissions for people and build things for people. But uh, yeah, it all started back with doing puppetry and where things were built from Zach Labs. Has anyone ever come to you to get a to build out a costume to do something rad for like Burning Man or anything like that? I think like that would be a natural way to u- utilize your oh, yeah. strengths. There's um, every once in a while people come to me, ask me to build stuff. Uh, last one I did was Dolores from, it was a whole sewing one. It wasn't any armor or anything, but it was sewing um, for a, a local cosplayer who wanted the complete dress and the whole get up for Dolores from Westworld. Um, and then people will have me build uh, a variety of different props for them, guns, um, you know, a bunch of different stuff like that. Um, occasionally people will go, oh, I really want to build this. Can you build this for me? I want this costume. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And they go, well, how much is it going to cost you? And then I give them the price because it's usually, you know, like if it's a full-blown costume, it could be anywhere from 1000 to $1,500 for a costume. Sure. I mean, you just told me it takes three to six months to sometimes yeah. come up with these things. Yeah, and it might be more expensive depending on the how incredible. And then there's just this pause, silence, and like, okay, I'll have to get back with you. He's <laughs> like, I think I need to save up some money. Okay, we're going to look at uh, Zach Labs here. I'm going to come out and check out your work because I want to find out more about it. If someone was going to jump into cosplaying, what's a what's a natural first step to take in order to not be in over your head? Yeah, so I um, getting over your head isn't a bad thing. It's, <laughs> it's not always a bad thing. When it comes to creativity, that sounds like a great a great piece of advice. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to say, you know, I've never done it before. Boom, I'm just going to try and do it. And you might fail, in fact, one of the key things that you ask top play cosplayers what they consistently do, and it's make mistakes, and they fail. And they don't know what they're doing, so they try it. And they'll try something new until they learn it and they master it. I mean, same way NASA works, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, anything. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's life, actually, no matter what you do. Sure. I mean, you know, being on the radio... Sometimes you know you didn't uh, know you, how to do. If everything. you heard my show this morning, I uh, I gave myself plenty of opportunity to fail. So. Yeah, yeah. So failure is how we learn, and so failing isn't a bad thing. It's getting in and trying it. What's bad is not trying at all. And so if somebody says, "I've never done cosplaying," I want to do a cosplay, you know, for PAX. PAX is coming this fall. Can I build something? And I go, yeah. So here's the first thing would be: Are you passionate or? about any character, like out of a movie or a book or a video game or even a child story or whatever it is, what's something that's really close to your heart that you would love to do? And that's always an important one to start with because there will be a time, a month into it, two months into it, when you all of a sudden go, I hate this, I never want to see this again, and you have to find that passion and love again for that character. Um, So you find the character... And then it's the process of um, how do you recreate it? It might be as simple as something as, like, Ash was actually fairly simple. Other than the props I made, it was like I had to find the right color pants and the right color shirt and make some leather stuff on them, you know? Fortunately, I kind of looked like 
um, Bruce Campbell also, but uh, you know, it might be as simple as going to the Value Village or Goodwill and looking for the types of clothing. Um, if it's more complex character that you have, then you have to start saying, okay, um, I have X amount of time until I want to have this done. And what kind of a time frame, how much time can I commit to learning about this and actually putting it into the research and into the into building it? Um, and that's most, like I said, most people underestimate it. They go, hey, I want something built. Can we have it done by next month? And I'm like, uh, it's like, you mean like in 20 days? Um, <laughs> how much money do you have? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you throw enough money at me. Yeah, I'll build it for you in that much time. But people don't realize how long it actually takes because these are not like, these are one-offs. You're building a costume, and it's not like a, um, you know, production line where you've got twenty of these costumes. Yeah, you're building. telling me about vacuum forming like that. You have to make the mold for that, and exactly. you're not going to make fifty of those helmets. No, yeah, yeah. I so, mean, maybe you are. I don't know that actually. I know. I, I mean, I shouldn't I keep, assume. I keep all the stuff that I built in case somebody wants to. So I've had people come up and want me to build the whole cos crossbones, and I have all the stuff, so I could do it real easily. Um, but usually it's cost prohibitive because they're like, oh, $1,500? Oh, yeah, I'll go cosplay something else. What's the most you've spent to make a to, to make a, a costume or a character? Um, probably um, – well, I think the Tarok was a little on the pricey side just because there were so many different types of materials – so it might have ranged up into the just material wise, yeah. Probably in the maybe five to six hundred dollar range of materials. Okay, and, and then time is the most time, valuable yeah. asset. Then time and knowledge of knowing how to do it. So people could probably, if you wanted to jump in and get a character going, a couple hundred bucks maybe as a. Oh sure. sure, yeah, yeah. I'd say if you have three hundred bucks in your pocket, um, and you've got time to learn how to do it, you can do it. Okay, so what other events do you have going on? Anything so, coming up? Or? <clears throat> yeah, one of the other really cool things that I'm involved with is called RenCon, Renton City Comic Con. And it's a is brand that new. It's brand new. Last year was our very first year. Okay, we have a we have a uh, contact in common. That would be Abby, who yeah. introduced me to you actually exactly. via email yeah, for this whole was, thing. So I was involved with it. I was on the initial planning committee for putting it together and and the written chamber and Ben just came up with a crazy idea and said, Why don't we develop our own Comic Con? We could do that. Sure. And so we gave ourselves a whole whopping five months to put it together. <laughs> and uh Abby was one of the people I drug in. And I said, Abby, we need you. You need to come and do volunteer work. And so she's our volunteer coordinator. Um, but yeah, we put five, six months together. We put this incredible con together, the three-day con down in Renton, and just blew the doors off the place. And we had like the top cosplayers. We had a contest. We had um, panelists all weekend from all over the Seattle area. Um, and, and that's huge. what's cool here is there's so many people that are involved in awesome, nerdy things that, oh, it's, I know. that you can get yeah. the pros of everything to come yeah, out. Yeah, people... People came to the con, they go, how did you get all these amazing cosplayers? And I'm like, well, they drove down the street. (laughs) They're my friends. I invited them and they came. (laughs) And so- When when is the con? um, So last year it happened um, on Halloween, Halloween weekend. Um, This next year, uh, we're still nailing down, uh, because we're so new, we're still nailing down the venue and the date, but um, it'll happen later in in the year. And we'll let everybody know. But again, it'll, it's- uh, We've we're 
gaming and and aiming to blow the doors off it again. How many cons a year for you? Uh, probably maybe half a dozen. Okay. So half a dozen gives cons. you a couple months between <laughs> to, yeah, to come up with so the costumes. Yeah, so there's always Emerald City here, Emerald City Comic Con, there's PAX, there's Sakura Con, Rose City Con, Comic Con down in Portland, there's Fan Con up in Vancouver, you've got Lilac Con over at Spokane, Jet City Comic Con is in wow. Spok- is in Tacoma, you got Geek Girl here in Seattle. Yeah, yeah great. Um, so, how many costumes are you doing for each of these? Um, depends on how long the con is. So I'll usually, if it's like, I'll do a different costume for each day. Um, if it's so, it's a two day, I'll have a different, a couple different costumes. New each, each time? Uh, no, not not normally. Sometimes I like to build on them. So if I have my stable ones that I'll always do will be Crossbones, Soldier seventy six, and now Ash. And now I'm having a team of people come along with Ash with me. So we'll have all three of us. And <laughs> cool. um, so there might be a new one on the horizon. I Right now, I actually don't have an upcoming costume. You know, the next big, great thing. Sure. I'm still looking for that, what I might be passionate about building. Um, but in the meantime, I have to, f- I want to flesh out the whole Ash versus Evil Dead. And I've got a couple other people who are going to come along and we're going to make his automatic hand and the Book of the Dead. And we'll kind of fill out that whole cosplay until it gets done and, and then I'll probably come up with something epic after that. Renton City Comic Con also. Yep, Rencon. Con. That's, yeah. That's fantastic that, yeah. that's, uh, so, that it's blowing up like that. It is, and it's uh, it was the talk of the time. I mean, people just loved going to it. It just had such a rich family value to it and cosplay value to it. Yeah. Um, but we also, the other really cool thing about Rencon is that we, we were blending real science together with um, Comic Con, so we actually had a whole panel series of real scientists, like from NASA, come in talking about science cool. and virtual reality, and we had a robotics club come in. <clears throat> Excuse me, a robotics club come in from the city of Renton, and um, get back with me when you're uh, when when it's time for you to to talk about this again and to promote it because I'm fascinated by. It. I host a segment called Nerd Talk every day. Yeah. And so to be able to well, definitely uh, will. Yeah. Was, we're we've got a meeting coming up tomorrow that we're gonna um, hit it hard and fast and yeah, that's great, man. That's so, this, it's fantastic to get another one launched, especially when the appetite is so huge for it that it can still be sustained. That's a it's great to be able to give people. It's hard to come to Seattle. It's expensive to come into Seattle to go to a con like that and to spend the money at the door, at the parking, on the food and everything. Yep. So to be able to to be able to put it in people's own backyards a little bit more is fascinating. So yeah. okay, cool. So we'll circle back around for we'll, do, we'll get back and, with you when we get more details. Ah, it's fantastic. Thanks for coming in, dude. Yeah. You've been listening to So You're in Seattle with Gregor. Follow him on Twitter at HeyGregor. Find more episodes online at SoYou'reInSeattle.com. So You're in Seattle is a burrito butt production. Yeah, you're a good dog chowder. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.